Hello, and welcome back to the second episode of the Where I Am podcast, where we strive to create a safe space for honest mental health discussions and encourage women to embrace their unique journeys. I'm your host, Destiny. And I'm Erica. And so today's episode is all about career truths. We want to get open and honest with you about what we've been going through in our careers and talk more about non-linear career paths because we hear a lot about traditional aspects of people's careers. So when you knew what you wanted to be when you were a child, you went off to college, you studied that particular industry or that role, and then you went off to do just that. And that's wonderful. That's really a beautiful thing for people who knew what they wanted to do and they are in that path and enjoy it. But a lot of us just don't have that experience. A lot of us are struggling. We're having a hard time figuring out what it is that we want to do. And it could be for a variety of reasons. So maybe you just haven't discovered what your passion is. And that's okay. It takes people a while to discover what is it that I truly like. And maybe you have multiple passions, which that's okay as well. And you just have to narrow down what is it that I want to focus on. And then there are also people who never even were encouraged to do something that they really loved. They didn't have those people at home telling them, you can be anything that you want to be. And sometimes we underestimate how much that that can help you when you have that parent who's right there, who's by your side, who's feeding you with positive affirmations and letting you know that you can be anything. Some kids never hear those words and never have that told to them. So there's a variety of reasons on why you may be struggling right now in your career path, but it's okay. Because there's always an opportunity for you to turn it around, and we just want to talk to you more about our journey so you don't have to feel alone. And in case you're sitting here thinking, well, I already love the career that I'm in. I don't know what value I can really get from this. We all know someone who's on that struggle bus, who's having a hard time. Feel free to send them the link to this episode so that they can feel supported by us and and they'll understand what we're saying. So, Erica, do you want to kind of kick it off, talk a little bit more about your journey on what you're doing right now to find your way in your career? Yeah, absolutely. I'll discuss my nonlinear, for sure, career career path and (laughs) um, on the struggle bus, for sure, still. But good. I have faith in you, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, please do, because sometimes I need... Some extra support for sure some days. Faith, prayer, all the things. I'm sending you good vibes through the, yes. you know. Yes. Like I might need to text you in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> just so I can hear something positive. Uh, I have my do not disturb on. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so let me see. I guess I can start off uh, with kind of going through like you know, right after college, uh, working at a car rental place and realizing the the reason why I took that job, you know, the very first job after, after college, even though I didn't know by graduation, what career path or the ending goal of the career that I wanted to do, what that would look like. I took the car rental place um, job just so I can get some experience and, and hopefully even by the end of or, you know, soon after that, find my career, something that I enjoyed doing. And, you know, I would leave that job. Um, however, by the time I left that job, I still didn't know what career I wanted to get into. So I had a history of escaping one bad job to another. And that was also because I was living alone and 
having to pay rent and have utility bills and car note. And I was also trying to travel and participate in all the things like many <laughs> yes. of us. Right, going to little <laughs> going to a little sushi friend date or Norsham Rack, you know, a little trip <laughs> or a Trader Joe's trip. Um, no, but you know, just I was just trying to, you know, enjoy life still, but you know, also be able to to pay my bills and and I just thought by doing that, again, eventually I would find, you know, the job that I love and the company that, you know, supported me and, and made me feel like I can succeed. And I continued to, like I said earlier, escape from, you know, one bad job to the other. And so just, I can remember, is there something you wanted to do when you were a kid? Is there something that you felt very passionate about that just kind of fell off as you started to get older and go off into school? Because I know you went to school for marketing. You went to college for marketing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, when I was younger, I do remember that I wanted to be a dress designer, like for quinceañeras, wedding dresses, like any like kind of special event dresses. And I even remember telling my mom, you know, about me wanting to be a a dress designer and her, you know, giving me a sketchbook and with a handwritten message saying that she supported my dream. And I definitely never forgot about that. So shout out to my mom. <laughs> I still remember that memory. And so beautiful. I know. I don't even remember where that sketchbook is. I wish I still had it. But yeah, I, I never pursued that because I didn't know anyone directly that took that kind of, you know, artistic career path or mm-hmm. even on like TV you know, the people that did take that career path, you know, they didn't look like me or they didn't come from the same background. So, you know, I just subconsciously told myself that that wasn't something possible for me. So that's why I never even even considered it when I went to college or even after that. Yeah, I think a lot of people can relate to that fact of there's something that you want to do and you just as time goes by, you kind of let that dream go. And don't really pursue it. You don't see people that look like you doing it. That's why representation is so important. And so I think that that makes perfect sense. So where do you feel like now you are? Where do you feel like you are now in your journey? Have you really had a chance to sit down and think about what do I want to do next? What feels right for me? You feel confident in the direction that you're going? Yeah, I mean, definitely having the support of my parents is, has definitely been a huge, a, um, a huge Uh, I don't want to say like advantage. I don't know a word to use there, but they definitely helped me kind of create that space for myself to take the time and be able to make a a very conscious decision for, you know, my future and what whatever that might bring or be having their support has definitely been a huge, a huge positive thing for me and I'm very fortunate for that as well yeah that's really amazing that you're able to go back and and spend time with them you know having that time to spend with them for one is a positive way to look at it but then just you know not everybody has that that they can go and spend time with their parents and kind of figure out what it is that they want to do so you always have to look at the bright side of things yeah absolutely and I and I also remember like what added on to kind of my burnout or just yeah my burnout I guess you can say is you know when you go to events and when you're meeting someone new what is the first question that they ask you typically 
What do you do? Yes, and I hated that. I hated when people would ask me that because I never enjoyed any of my jobs. I never was like, "Oh my god, let me tell you." And how I got there. You just made stuff up. You're like, "I'm an astronaut." Okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, sometimes I would like I would say it, but like kind of sprinkle, sprinkle something extra on it. You know, make it sound (laughs) like better than lying to people. Whoa, I do not condone that, ladies and gentlemen. Um, But I felt like that was probably the only way that I could, you know, be in that conversation because just the amount of shame that I felt of like, oh my God, please don't ask me that question. And what am I going to say if they ask me this question? And I would just kind of walk past the group of people that were discussing careers because I didn't even want to address it at all at that time. Yeah, that uh, what you said about shame. I mean, that's made me had a, a made me have a feeling like in the pit of my stomach of knowing what shame feels like when you don't feel confident in some of the choices that you're making and you have to share those things with other people when you're going out and you're networking and you just don't always know what direction it is that you want to go. Shame is the one of the worst feelings I think to have. Yeah, and it definitely was starting to feel I was starting to feel like my self-esteem because I was making those decisions, you know, just escaping one bad job to another bad job just because I essentially was on survival mode, just trying to make sure that my bills were paid and that, you know, everything else I can figure out later. It was almost like my self-esteem was in a deep hole and it no longer believed I could climb out. And that was a pretty scary place to be mentally. Yes. So as you're still as you're still trying to sort things out, what what kind of things are you doing right now to get to a point of feeling more positive about your decisions and on where you can go in your career? What I've been doing lately, uh, I've been willing to try different things um, and looking into different certifications. Right now, I'm I'm taking a, a part time job working with kids because. Uh, I do enjoy um, working with kids somewhat, <laughs> so I'm trying to see if maybe a career, some kind of career, maybe education or working with kids is something that I want to um, explore more. Look at you, preschool teacher. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> yeah, so I'm out there <laughs> trying new things, and I'm glad that it's part-time. That way I can just get a feel for it to see. But, yeah, that's something I'm doing right now. Another thing is also doing some research. Um, So kind of just reading industry news, also reaching out to old friends and seeing, asking about, you know, their career. They like it, the amount of stress that they have. I mean, and there's, thank goodness for um, YouTube as well, because there are some videos of like the life of, I don't know, like an appraisal or, you know, some type of different career. And oh, yeah, they do. I, they have a lot of good information on YouTube. Yeah, so I like to look at those just so I can see, like, well, I don't, I know, I don't know anyone in this industry, but let me see what I can learn from their video. So that's what I'm doing a lot right now as well. What about you? Uh, what am I doing to figure my life out? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. well, I feel like I'm in a, in a pretty good place right now. 
But I can tell you about previously what I was experiencing. So just to give a little bit of a backstory about me. Growing up, I grew up in a house with just my mom, my sister, myself. And so we're very tight-knit, very close. And I was always just, I knew that I wanted to go off to college. I knew that that was something that I wanted to do. And from the time I was a little kid, I always felt like I was a good writer. I won an award as a nine-year-old. And then I'm like, I'm going to be a journalist. And so I wanted to do that from the time I was nine to 17. Cut to, I eventually thought when I go off to college, I think I'll go for business instead of journalism. But either way, I still wanted to go to school. And so while I was in high school, I wasn't valid Victorian or anything like that, but I did pretty well. I graduated with honors. I did fine. And I also applied to a ton of schools. I was in a program in school. You were in that program too. We had to apply to a lot of different colleges. I think it was called the Academic Success Project or program. Oh, yeah. Something (laughs) where they had basically the minority students kind of showing them more about college and how you can get scholarships. And they even took us on a tour of some schools. We went to Boston. So there's a lot of different things. And it was really cool. And I did apply and get into several schools. But I decided that I wanted to go to Clark Atlanta University because I wanted to go to an HBCU. Also, another thing about me is growing up, my mom is half Mexican and half black. My dad is black. But I only grew up around my mother's mother's side of the family, which they're Mexican. Meaning that I didn't feel like as a child that I was really exposed a lot to black family members because I just didn't know them. I wasn't around them a lot. So I wanted to really be immersed in the culture and I wanted to go to an HBCU. So I thought that was the plan. I talked to my mother about it. I was excited. I was headed to Atlanta. I was ready to go. And a week after graduation, so I've already accepted this college and I have you know, said I'm not going to the other ones because you do have to accept and tell them that you're going to go before you graduate. (laughs) So I've already done that process. And my mother came to me and she said, she said, I just want to let you know, I think it's too far and I won't be able to get to you quickly. As a reminder, I live in Texas, this is Atlanta. And she said, I won't be able to get to you quickly. I won't be able to drive to you quickly. So you're not going to that school. And it kind of, yeah, it kind of blew my mind. It blew my mind because I was super excited to go and I felt like I had done a lot of hard work to be able to go off to university Mm -hmm. and it just really was heartbreaking for me. Yeah. For one, though, you know my mom, she, as I mentioned previously, is the fun mom. She's the one that will go above and beyond for her kids and she's always just, she didn't set a lot of rules for me as a kid and I don't think she really had to because I was just naturally, for the most part, a rule follower. So when she said you're not going, I didn't even question it so much because I thought, well, the car I drive, she gave to me. Uh, I have like a little job, a family dollar, but I don't make a lot of money, just enough to kind of put gas in my car and to go eat with friends. I don't have any money saved up. How am I going to be able to go and attend this school without her blessing? Hmm. And so because I didn't have that, I said, okay, so then what are my options? What am I going to do? My mom, right when she, right before she had me, she had attended the Art Institute of Dallas. She was going for commercial art. But then she had me, she dropped out and moved back to our hometown and, and you know, went on to pursue other things. She's a teacher now. She's amazing. But that is something that she did. 
So in her mind, I think that she thought back to her previous years and she said, well, you can go to the Art Institute. I kind of just personally on my own, didn't share it with anybody. I was kind of into music a little bit. I would just write songs to myself and things like that. But it was just a hobby. It was just a side thing that I would do for fun. You know, when you're younger, you Mm -hmm. just do creative things just to do them. And I was in the band in school and played the clarinet and stuff like that. But it was just a side thing. When I went off to university, I was going to major in business. Plan was to minor in music. But I never thought about the Art Institute. And then she said, I'll take you to view the school in Houston. And I'll take you to view the school in Austin. You can pick. And this is my only option. There was nothing else on the table. And so I said, okay. And I viewed the school in Houston. And that was what it was. And I have been in Houston for going on 14 years now. Ever since. (laughs) Ever since. And so with that, while I'm saying that is because it took a lot to really get to the point and break that down. Why did that happen? And so for a while, I went to the Art Institute. I went for audio production because that was closest to music. And I went through the program, did pretty well, went off and interned and, and worked at a recording studio. But at the time I was about 24, I started to have this feeling of, I don't really like this (laughs) as a full-time job. Like, I don't really love this. And then I started to think back because as I was going to school, like once I'm dedicated, I'm on the path. Like I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. So I never was sitting there crying about, well, my mom said I couldn't go to these other schools. I was just, just forging ahead. But I started to think back on, oh, this is not what you chose for yourself. This is not really what you wanted. And so this was not your dream. And so I started to get really depressed. Honestly, I got really sad and was going through a dark time of feeling like, what am I going to do? And, and, and I joined this organization called the Houston Area Urban League. A lot of people I'm sure are familiar with it, young professional um, division of it. And I was starting to meet a lot of other black young professionals who had gone off to HBCUs. The person I was dating at the time went to an HBCU. He was always talking about it. And it was really hard because I felt so sad inside that I didn't have that experience. I felt just really just depressed. And like you said, shameful almost. It's not bad to be an audio engineer. It's not bad to have gone to the Art Institute. But because it wasn't my goal and it wasn't my dream, and it is a little bit different. A lot of people haven't even heard of that career, honestly. And so when I would go to some of these events, and like you said, network and people ask what you do. I'm saying, oh, I went to school for audio engineering and they went for a more traditional career. Mm -hmm. It was really difficult and hard for me to be able to relate to them on a certain level. And and it, it weighed me down immensely. And so after a while, I really had to sit there and think about that and talk to my mother about it. And it came up for us because we were watching a TV show. Um, The younger character was going to go off to college and they didn't have enough money for her to go. And so her dad was really weighing those odds. And so either way, I talked to my mom and said, I really felt like that character in the show that you kind of held me back from something that I wanted to do. And she really broke down and cried. And she said, I can totally see what you're saying. She said, when we were visiting other schools and they were talking about how expensive it was going to be. So schools that I got accepted into, early acceptance and things like that. I was mind blown by the amount. I was not, I did not prepare. I did not know. Because we mm. struggled a lot when I was younger because she was a single mom. She said, I didn't understand you know, the implications of you going off to school and how it would feel for you to leave and go so far. 
So the only thing I could say was, you have to stay here. These are your choices because, you know, you can get in the Art Institute pretty much immediately. You're going here and that's it. Mm. And you're the first, too. Yeah, and I'm the oldest. I'm the oldest, so... I have one sister and I'm four years older than her. So I think it was just really hard for her to cope with me going off. And we had to really do that work of talking about it. And she apologized. And I think that I've pretty much come to terms with what it is and that I didn't go to school for something different. So now cut to, like I said, I was very unhappy. So what did I do to turn that around? I went back to school for business. So I did go to university for business. It's not the same experience as when you're 20. I think I was about, I don't know, 26 or something. But I'm older. I have my own place. You know, it's, it's a different experience. And I went back and I got my MBA. I got out of the audio engineering field and I went on to work in the corporate world. I'm still in the corporate world now. I'm in marketing. I was able to use a lot of the creative influences that I learned at the Art Institute. So like that Photoshop and video and audio editing and different aspects that I now am able to use in marketing working with content and things like that. And in branding specifically, I've worked as a brand manager. So it worked really well. And I was able to pivot and go into the corporate world. But it was really difficult for me. It was really hard to face that fact that I didn't get to live out that traditional college experience. At the Art Institute, we lived in apartments. And I kind of just kept to myself. I, I just didn't associate with too many people. I went to school. I worked. I went back to my apartment. And that was it. Oh, yeah. I remember you said like you never had roommates and you remember yeah. me calling you and <laughs> yeah, you and complaining about my roommate and tell me like my roommates did this. My roommates did that. You could have the option to have a roommate, but I just got a studio apartment. And so I've been living in a studio apartment or I've been living on my own since I was 18. Uh, so, yeah, it was just a different type of experience. And it didn't yeah. even hit me until I was 24 and thought, OK, hold on. You know, we all have those moments where something hits us and we really, the pieces come together and you start to examine your life. Like you were saying, whenever you thought, why do I keep hitting these dead end jobs? What is it inside of me that I am not pursuing my true passions? That was my experience. But now, honestly, things are changing a lot. People are not just going off and having fully traditional careers, staying in them for years and then retiring. The way people work is changing. Just the pandemic changed it a lot in the fact that we're able to work remotely. People are going from job to job, realizing that that's the better way to be able to increase your income, not staying at the same job for years and years. And we really have to get used to the fact that people are not going to have these linear paths. A lot of people are turning into creators. People are being able to express themselves via social media and really talk about the things that maybe they didn't have weren't able to have their foot in the door years ago and so there are so many opportunities that are opening up for us now and I think it's just good to talk about all aspects of what we've been through so that people don't feel alone and people don't feel as if they're the only one traveling on that road yeah, I mean, I was kind of going through and reading some articles, and I found a, an article on Forbes from 2022. Um, this is very interesting, um, so I'm going to share here. It says that millennial workers aged 25 to 34 typically stay in a role 3.2 years, while Gen Z workers aged 18 to 24, can you guess how, how, much, how long they stay in a role? 
Like, just guess. Like, probably a year, two years. Wait, what did you say what was the other one? Three years? Three years. 3.2 years for millennials. And then Gen Z, guess how long they stay Maybe in a row? a year and a half. So this is what shocked me. It's eight months. So less than a year. Mm, movers yeah. and shakers of the year. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I think that was such an interesting article. Because it, it kind of allows me to give myself more grace, mm-hmm. you know, it's yeah. saying that, you know, I'm not the only one transitioning, you know, someone transitioning in the same industry, just a just different company, like you said, so that they can increase their income or others like me trying to still trying to figure out, you know, the career they want to take. So, but Gen Z, they are, like you said, definitely shaking things up. So yeah, it's just I, I'm interested to see. Yes. Erica, uh, do you have any final words of advice? We've talked a little bit about some of the things you're already doing. You're uncovering some of your interest. You're trying to really think about, you've already taken the time to examine why it is that you've made certain choices in the past so that you don't repeat them. I talked about how I was able to pivot really sitting down with my mom and working through that issue of why I didn't follow the path that I wanted to and being able to go back to school And it took time. It took me three years to get my MBA. So it wasn't just this quick thing. And while I was working at the studio, I applied for marketing jobs for a whole year. And so it it takes time for sure for me to break into that industry. And then I got my MBA while I was working entry-level jobs in marketing. But you can get there if you're persistent and if you really put your mind to it. So are there any other words of wisdom that you want to give someone who's kind of going down this this winding path? Yeah, my word, uh, my advice would be to um, discuss the shame that you feel about your job or the past career choices or jobs that you took with uh, someone that you trust, like a best friend or a parent, somebody that you can, you feel comfortable with discussing that. Because once I did that, it really, made me feel it was almost like the first step the first step that I needed to take and and able to in order for me to be able to um, move forward and not have that wall that that shame kind of stopping me you know stopping me from moving forward yeah I think the big thing is addressing it you know don't go don't go through your whole life thinking well I've already gotten this degree and I should just stay here. And I understand, again, we had to pay our bills. We want to pay our student loans and all these things that we have. But your happiness is important. And your friends, your family, your family definitely, and if you have kids like me, they can feel when you're unhappy, when you're stressed, Mm -hmm. when you just don't like what you're doing every day. And that affects them. And I always think of my son as a mirror. And I don't want him to grow up and just pick some job and, and do it just to get a paycheck and not feel fulfilled and passionate about what he's doing. So I try to live out the things that I want him to be able to take away and apply to his own life. Yeah. And just be more intentional um, with the the jobs, do your research with the, uh, with the company for sure. Make sure that, you know, you think that they would be supportive or you see a supportive environment when you go for it, or you ask in the interview, you know, what the work culture looks like, because that can also play, pay a, 
a play a part in whether you're you're happy there. Yeah, and I think like going back just because I'm always thinking about <laughs> my son is the way I talk to him about what he's going to do in his future. There is a lot of pressure when we're younger about what do you want to be when you grow up? And we're always asking kids that question. And there are sometimes they do know, but a lot of times they don't. And we don't need to be putting so much pressure. Instead, I think we need to give them the opportunity to discover things that they like, whether it's being in different sports or art classes or they enjoy choir. Are they great at math? Is it science? And really allowing them to explore so that when it's time for them to figure out what that major is that they want to have in college, or there are many other things paths you don't have to go to college you can go off and be an entrepreneur there are a lot of things that we end up doing in life for our careers but whenever it's time for them to figure that out that they have options because they've had experiences and so that's the way that I'm trying to raise him instead of from the time he's small saying what do you want to be when you grow up because I don't want to put that pressure on him he really doesn't need that pressure at such a young age and I think for myself too I wish that I would have stood up for myself more and been able to really communicate what it is that I needed even as an 18 year old so for anyone who's younger in that situation maybe your parents are are pushing back at you and you say that you want to go off and you want to travel and do some travel abroad or or have certain experiences you should try to make a plan Think about, are there any scholarships that you're able to get? Is there any way that you can work towards that goal or that dream? Don't sell yourself short. Don't think that you can't do it. Because for me, like I said, I was thinking, how am I going to do it without her help? There's no way. And really, if I probably would have sat down and really drilled it into her that I am going and I need you to get on this train, it probably would have been better. But my mind, the way it was working at that time as an 18-year-old, I just took what she said at face value. So don't give up. Don't give up on your dream and whatever it is that you want. You can accomplish it. You can get it. You can attain it. And um, yeah, just keep going. So as a little palate cleanser, let's do two truths and a lie. Would you like me to start? Yes, please. Okay. Number one. So my mom used to put me in beauty pageants as a child. Number two, I loaned Ludacris a cell phone charger. And number three, I've been scuba diving in the ocean. So I say which one is a lie, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to say the second one is a lie and the third the scuba diving you have done okay so to go through them number one i was in the beauty pageants as a kid yes my mom wanted me to be a beauty queen but that didn't work out that did not work out number two i loaned Ludacris a cell phone charger yes because i worked at a studio and he came in and he needed a charger and so there you go i was like here i have one (laughs) And, um, yeah, he was nice. He didn't say much. Number three, I've been scuba diving in the ocean. No, that's a lie. That's a lie. I have never been. But I want to go. Maybe one day. Yes. 
Hopefully one day, yes. But like for Ludacris, did he sound like exactly what everyone would expect him to sound? Or did he sound like like high pitched or like like was his voice any like <laughs> he was like different? Hello, Ludacris. <laughs> no, he sounded like him. He sounded like him. He I mean he wasn't doing anything. Walking around, he asked for a charger, I think a a cord or something. And then when I left he was in the car probably listening to a beat writing some raps i don't know did he ever bring it back i was pieced out that was probably the charger of the studio so i was oh okay because <laughs> i would be like um mr ludicrous i'm sorry knocking on the door um uh, mr ludicrous sir it's my only yeah, iphone my... charger right i'm gonna need no. my charger back now <laughs> can you sign it <laughs> right that's too funny. No, but, okay, what do you got? Okay, so the first one is Nick Jonas and I crossed paths in New York City. Okay. The second one is I toured the Apple headquarters. And the third one is I bumped into Bad Bunny when he came to Dallas. When he did one of his concerts in Dallas. What do you mean by bump into? Is bump into like you literally touch this man or is bump into? Yeah, like I didn't realize he was next to me. Lie. Which one? Bad Bunny. Has to be a lie. There's no way you could not realize he's next to you. He's super famous. What do you mean? Like you're facing one way and then. Because everybody would be screaming, running up to him doing the most okay you got me that's true <laughs> you're terrible at this game <laughs> i know i know you're like have you the apple headquarters is that a thing I'm, I'm assuming that they let anybody tour it um i don't know i mean i went it was in college that it was kind of like an entrepreneurial startup business type of tour and um the professor yeah he had a, a connection and an apple and so we toured, we got a chance to tour the Apple headquarters before the new one was built. And one of the first things they told us is like, you can't ask, you cannot ask employees about any Apple products or what they're working on. Look at you doing big things. Yes. Girl, if you had seen Bad Bunny, you would be hitting me up, sending me pictures, <laughs> painting, all the things. I know, so true. I think I probably would have passed out on the spot. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So thank you so much for joining us for episode two. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on our socials at Where I Am Podcast. And if you want us to discuss a specific topic, you can also email us at Where I Am Podcast at gmail.com. And if you love what you hear, again, don't forget to share and leave a review. Bye.